Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us the privilege to dig into your word and hear your word. We love your word. Speak to us and reveal yourself to us. We give you praise. Let the sick be healed. Let the afflicted be set free. Let the captives be set free. Let someone's heart burn within them as your word comes. Let weaknesses give way. Let strength come. Let joy be activated. Let faith come alive. Thank you, Lord, and let hope be reignited in the hearts of your people. Let the sinner be drawn to you and be saved from their sins. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk today how to know you are a genuine Christian. Yeah, how to know, how to know you are a true Christian or how to identify a true Christian. This guy says a Christian, or how to identify what determines a person's Christianity. Before I go into that, look at Matthew chapter. I quoted the scripture in our previous broadcast or in our previous session when I was teaching on repentance. And I want to read it again. It says that Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 Not all, not everyone that says, Unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many shall, shall say to me in that day. There's a day coming. There's a day coming. Many shall say to me in that day. Many shall say to, the, uh, many shall say to me in that day. Lord, Lord, we, uh, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have uh, in, thy, in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wondrous works, many wondrous works. And then I will, uh, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. He didn't say I don't know you. I never, I never knew you. You thought you were one of mine, but I never knew you. He said, and I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. So you can tell these people on the day, they are people who genuinely believe that they belong to God. They belong to the Lord. And the Lord will say, no, 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 no. Your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation chapter, I think, 20 verse 12 or something like that. Whose names are written? Actually, in Hebrews chapter um, 10. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, 23, talks about our names are written, registered in heaven. Our names are registered in heaven. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 12, he said, son, or say, friend, he called him actually friend. Bible says in verse 11, the king came to inspect, to see the guests. And then he saw somebody who was in the place without wearing the, he was in church, but he wasn't wearing the proper righteous clothes. And he, he said to him, verse 12 is very, he said, how did, friend, how did you get in here without the right clothes? Not repentance, not change of heart. How did you get, how did you end up being a chief usher without being not repented, having not repented? How did you get, end up being so much part of church, but you are not actually part of my people? How did you end up doing this? 
We don't want shocks and surprises that you get before the throne of grace and he said, I do not know you. Depart from me, you will come iniquity. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, it says that, nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord stands firm. The foundation. This is how God builds his work. The foundation is firm. And the foundation of God has this seal. God knows those who are his. God knows those who are his and let him that belongs to the Lord depart from iniquity. You see, he said, work out of iniquity. Here, he's also said, depart from iniquity. God knows those who are his. Jude 4 says that, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord. The only Lord God, our Lord. They will creep in. There are people who will creep into the church. Now, I want to underscore the fact that I'll bring it to your attention that, you know, when it comes to Christianity, haven't you realized that there are so many fake or different variants and different fake, fake versions of Christianity? Different, different, different strands who claim are Christians. They all claim, you see, this one say I'm a Christian, this one say I'm a Christian, but they are very different. They don't, so there are so many different strands. And people normally say, but if Christianity is the main thing, why is that there? Why are there so many different strands or um, different versions, fake versions that don't even agree? There is no religion in the world that has more, more different, unacceptable versions than Christianity. Why? Because Christianity is the main. Satan will do anything to have a lot of trying, tried several counter. You can't even, the, the, you can't end the count of people who claim to be Christians or not. Who claim? In fact, there was a time somebody came, uh, Jim Jones, another guy, I remember years ago in Africa, there was a guy, he said he's, he's Jesus Christ. He has come. There's several different types. Different types. Satan will try various different counterfeits. You push in. He will make sure he saturates our world with various counterfeit of Christianity. So he will, he will confuse the followers of Christ or people who know the world about what Christianity is. But why is he not doing it about that really? He can't be bothered because they are all, not, they are all false. <laughs> they are all false so he won't bother about it. Christianity has, must have several types and variant and several fake ones, fake ones that are not Christians. So Jesus said, I know those who are mine. Nevertheless, in spite of all these things, God said, I know those who are mine. How do you determine who a Christian is? How do you know you are having one? Listen, let, let me tell you, let me say this. It's going to be very strong, but take your time to hear me out. Coming forward for an altar call does not make you a Christian. I repeat it. Coming forward, oh, and even crying and coming doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. Some people cry and come because of remorse. Some will cry and come because of regret, but not because of repentance. So crying and coming to the altar. I'm not saying people shouldn't come to the altar. No, 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 I didn't say that. I said the fact that you came didn't mean you have come to Christ. There's a difference between coming to the altar and coming to Christ. So why do we call people to the altar? To give somebody an opportunity to make a public confession. And then from there, discipleship program can start. We can identify them and help them grow. But there are some people, they come and they actually have not come to Christ. They, well, my friend said I should go, so I went forward. Or what the, the, the pastor really convinced me, you know, the things he was sharing were so powerful. It convinced me and touched me, so I'm going. But it's not Christ you are coming to. You are just responding to the, the power, the message that was preached, how it touched you. 
Other things can touch you and you might also respond to that. Sometimes in the music, the way the keyboard is played, it whooped you up. It turned you, your emotions on in a, in a religious way. And so you responded to it. But looking down the line, you haven't come to Christ. So how what determines a person is a true Christian? Not is not coming to the altar. Not starting to attend church. Attending church does not make you a Christian. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Anyway, just like staying in a garage doesn't make you a car. Or joining the Lions Club does not make you a lion. <laughs> so... Your mother, the fact that your mother is a Christian does not mean you're also a Christian. The fact that your father is a pastor doesn't mean you're a Christian. The fact that you are born in other religions, you can be born into a religion. But Christianity, you can't be born into a religion. You must be born again. That's what born again means. You have to be rebirthed into Christ. Born again. And so the fact that you, the fact that you are wearing a cross doesn't mean you're a Christian. The fact that you own a Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Owning a Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Is it bad to own a Bible? Oh, well, boy, you gotta own. You can't be a Christian. You don't have a Bible. It's no good. You have to own a Bible. You see it in the teachings. So you cannot be a Christian. The, the fact that you have nice stickers around your house of quotations or church cliches, jargons, and platitudes does not mean you are a Christian. So the point I'm trying to make is Christianity is not determined by what happens externally in the first place. So external activities, external rituals, external ceremonial activities or ceremonies or ritual. Eating communion doesn't even make you a Christian. Ritual, even, let me put it this way, even being baptized does not make you a Christian. You, if you're a Christian, you have to be baptized, okay? You have to. So being a Christian, you have to be baptized. But the fact that someone came for the baptism doesn't mean the person has become a Christian. Oh, now I want to baptize. Once I baptize, I know I'm not a Christian. No, baptism doesn't make you a Christian. It's coming to Christ in, genuine, in genuineness that makes you a Christian. But now, when you are born, when you come to Christ, you are born of God. The seed of God that gives the eternal life, which is in Christ. John chapter 5, verse, 1 John 5, 3. 12 and 13, 11, 12, 13 talks about, and this life, eternal, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son, Jesus Christ. He who has the Son has life. The Bible says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son is already condemned. In John chapter 5, verse uh, uh, 24, somewhere there, say, if you have the Son, if you believe in me, you have life. And it's, uh, uh, John John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as believed in Him, that, that, that received Him, He gave them their power. Or the right to become the sons of God, not born of the flesh, the will of man is not according to the verse 13, not born according to the will of man or the will of the flesh, you know. But God has actually reborn us. So, watch this being a Christian is not based on just what you are wearing, the cross you have, the church you attend, all those things to a certain extent will be impacted upon when you are a genuine Christian. But being a real, a true Christian is not determined by those things. So what determines a true Christian? Number one, it is a birth from within. You, will be, you are born. It, the internal work God does within you is what determines your, your being a Christian. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 
in first Peter chapter one, verse um, three, it says that blessed be God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercies have begotten us again. He born us again born again. He has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ. Look at verse 23. It said that not being born again by, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we are born again. In Jeremiah, interesting, when you look at Jeremiah 31 verse 33, it said that but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law where in their inward parts. It starts from inside you. Being a Christian starts from inside you. The other time I said, one great man of God said some time ago, years ago, he said, if you want a brand new world, you have to get a brand new people. If you want a brand new people, you have to get a brand new man. If you want to get, if you want a brand new man, you have to get a brand new heart. If you want to if you want a brand new heart, you come to come to Jesus Christ because the thing starts from inside. So what determines a genuine Christian is a function that goes on within, not just the external. So the inside, you can have the form of godliness, but deny its power. According to 2 Timothy, I think so. They have the form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. You can have a form, but doesn't mean you are actually in it. That is why I said some people who genuinely think that because I cast out devils, because I did this ABC as I'm a Christian. And Jesus will say, no, you were never part of mine because you were not born. An internal work never, never happened within you. Let me show you with regards to the internal work. Second Corinthians 4, 6 says that for God who commanded the light to shine in dark in in darkness has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge. It's it's in our hearts. God has done the work in our hearts, inside us. In Hebrews chapter 10, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, that's similar to what I read from the scripture I just read from Jeremiah. It's the same thing. He said, I will do an inward work within them. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 says that this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them inside you. Verse 22, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, a true heart. So it starts from inside. Christianity starts from inside. That is why you cannot be born a Christian. You become a Christian. No one ever gets born as a Christian. You become a Christian. When you repent and you heed to the word of God, you have believed from your heart. With the heart, man believes. And with the mouth, Romans chapter 10 verse 10, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So it starts from inside. Christianity is an internal affair. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 22, he said, follow peace, charity, and then with those who call on the name of God out of a true heart. So follow all these things, charity, love, faith, righteousness, with those who call on the name of God out of a true heart. It has to be an inward thing. Romans 2.29 says that, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. Genuine Christianity is an internal affair, an inward affair, but doesn't stay in. It's like the way it is this common adage goes, that um, charity begins at home, but never, that doesn't stay there. So, 
Christianity begins from within by to always show. And I'm going to show the signs that show that a person is a genuine Christian. But first of all, how do you become a Christian? Or uh, when you become a Christian, the, what makes a person a Christian? Okay, it's internal. It's not just external. It's not the um, the things we are. Hebrew, Acts chapter 15 verse 9 says that, and put, uh, that's talking about God. They concluded, all right, let me read from verse 8. Makes sense. And God, which knows the hearts, you see, God knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did to us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So God purified their hearts by faith. That is how Christianity starts. It's a heart thing. It starts from inside, an internal work the Holy Spirit does and accomplishes within a person that ends up producing a particular works. Now, this leads me to what are the marks that the marks of a genuine Christian, the signs of a genuine Christian, the 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 things you can check to know that well, if you see if it's in your life, it shows that you are a genuine Christian. If it's not in your life, you are not a genuine Christian. The marks of a genuine Christian. I can sum all sum them all up in two main headings. That's faith and love. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, he said, therefore, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the saints. Colossians chapter 1 verse 4, therefore, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love for your sins, it always has to do with faith and love. Faith and love. In fact, in John chapter 20 verse 30 says that Jesus did so much that was not recorded, but these have been written so you will believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes. When you are a Christian, it shows your faith and love. And I'm going to express how this faith plays out and the playing out of your love. When we talk about love, in Matthew chapter 22 verse, Matthew chapter 22 verse um, 38 says that um, Jesus said, verse 37, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord your God, thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second, verse 39, the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself. So he said, love the Lord. That's where the sign of a genuine Christian, the sign is love. You love the Lord. You have love for God and love. In fact, Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Um, Matthew 10, 37 says that, <laughs> this is a serious one. He, he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. What? You love your mom? Your allegiance is more to your mom than to Christ? Your allegiance is more to your dad than to Christ, your son or your daughter than to Christ, let alone third parties who are no blood relation, like your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, or whatever, um, your friends. You love any, so he said, if you love human beings more than me, you are not worthy of me. So it starts with an unyielding or uncompromising, undiluted, strong love for Christ. So when you are a genuine Christian, it shows in your love for Christ. You love Christ. First Corinthians chapter 
2 verse 9 says that eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what the Lord has prepared for them that love him. Hallelujah. Love him. Do you love the Lord? If you love the Lord, if you don't love the Lord with all your heart, chances are that you are actually not a genuine Christian. Love the Lord. I love the Lord. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we like quoting it, but we miss the love. It says that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and accord according to the people. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. And so it's very important to understand that when you are a genuine Christian, number one, it plays in your love for for God or love for Christ. You love the Lord. In fact, in in First um, Corinthians chapter sixteen, verse twenty-two, it says that cares be anyone who does not love the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> in in First Peter chapter one, I think verse eight, whom having not seen, ye love. You love the Lord. You love the Lord to the extent that the first, the early church called that anyone who doesn't love Jesus Christ, let him be cursed. It is a you go and curse the person because the thing is so much built on love. You are outside of the community of God. You are outside of the sheepfold if you don't love the Lord. We love him. In fact, I quoted it in a previous teaching on repentance in Luke chapter 7, verse 47 and 48, Jesus says that to him whom much is forgiven also loves much. Your love for God. Do you love the Lord? This is a love affair. So one, when you are born again, watch this. This is very important to say because I'm talking about do you love the Lord? I want to mention that that love does not start from you. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says that we love him because he first loved us. Okay, so he first, he initiated his love, oh, oh, his love provokes loving, reactionary love or commensurate love or reciprocal love from within us. So his love that makes us born again, his love that makes his all internal work within us, which which is a function of his love, provokes love within us, or love from within us towards him. In Romans chapter 5 verse 5, it talks about how the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts. You can't be a Christian and say, I can't love. It's a lie. You can't say, I can't love. Because being a Christian means that there's love in your heart. Christianity and harboring hatred is doesn't go together. Now watch this. They will say, oh, but some Christians went into the Middle East and they were killing people. Those people were not operating as Christians. They may, they may think they are doing for Christianity because Christianity is love. Watch this. There are things you cannot say about certain religions. Because if you go and say and attack a certain religion, even just say their leader is a pedophile or their leader is a thief, you will see how the, the violence you will see. Say that about Jesus Christ. Say that and nobody will fight because we don't fight people because we are people of love. That's why a lot of people temper with Christianity because they know you can do anything about Christianity and get away with it. Why? Because Christians will not fight you. 
we will still love you. You can hurt us and we will still love you. You can, you can persecute us and we will still love you. Jesus has the highest commandment or the, the highest living standard. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew chapter 5, verse, I think from 45, 46, 47. He said, for your heavenly father makes when the rain comes, it falls both on the good man and the good evil man's land. So he said, you to show that you are, you are a man or person of love. 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 So the love of Christ is shared abroad in our hearts. Now, if you love God, so, so it's, it's plays out in this way. If you are genuinely in love for God, is one, your love for Christ, your love for others, and your love, uh, your loving loyalty to him, enduring loyalty to him in love. When you genuinely love Christ, these are the things you show. So your love for Christ, which plays out, you want to see his glory at all times. So in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, sometimes the authors who God used to write the Bible, they are writing and their heart is so much filled of doxological love. So somewhere they had this lifestyle that can easily be interrupted and burst out in love for Christ, love for God. So he's writing the Bible, or he's writing a letter, then like First Timothy 1, 17, then he said, unto the king, he hasn't finished, but he said, unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever. And that's doxology. You have, you tend to have a doxological lifestyle, a lifestyle that is interjected and interspaced with a praise, outburst of sudden praise or uh, outflow of praise to God at any time, sometimes outburst of expressions of love. It's not planned, but it just comes naturally. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's a doxological lifestyle that people should always, people will always hear that because you actually love God and you want his glory to be seen. First Peter chapter four, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracle of God. If any man may do it as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified God in all things may be glorified. He said, when you are doing it, do it so that God in all things may be glorified. Hallelujah. May he be ever praised and glory, glorified glorified in all things. When you are a genuine Christian and you love God, you want to see his glory manifest. You want to see his glory manifested. Hallelujah. And in... Um, in Ephesians chapter 3, if you remember, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, it talks about now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I mean, it's throughout the scriptures. It's littered all over in scriptures. Doxology being given to God for his glory. In Jude verse 21, 24 and 25, it says that now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the, the presence and his glory, the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and doxology. That is one of the true signs of love for God, where you love for Christ, where you love to give him glory. You love to see his glory. So it's not so much about you. You don't mind you being behind the scenes so that he can have the preeminence. Colossians chapter 1, I think verse 18 or so, is that verse 17 and 18 talks about that 
God, Christ, might have the preeminence in the church. You want him to be the one to be seen. John the Baptist put it this way in John chapter 3. He said, "He, I must decrease and he must increase. You always want the glory to go to God. Glory be to God in your life. That's your desire. It's a, it's a, a, a desire. When you love him, you want, you want to see that happen. And also, you remember when the First church of Ephesus, they are backslided. God called them, Jesus called them that come back to your first love. You have lost your first love. That means that we start with him with love. We start with Christ in love. So it must be love. I'm calling somebody, come back to your first love for God. Number one, the sign that you love, you are a Christian, true sign is your love for Christ. And your love for Christ plays out in three ways. One is a is your love to see his glory. B, your love for others. You love others. In First John, this is very important. In First John chapter 5, verse 1. And I, I need you to see this to the glory of God. First John 5, 1. It says that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone that loves him, that begets, loves him also that is begotten of him. So if you love the one who gave birth to you, you will also love the one he has also given birth to. You can't say, I love Christ. Some people say, me, I love Jesus. But it's the church folks I can't stand. You are not really in love with Christ. Jesus told Simon Peter in Matthew chapter 21, verse 15 to 17, when as they were eating the fish, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, do you love me more than this? And he said, yes, sir, you know I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. If you love him, it plays out in your attitude towards the people of God. Feed my, my, my lamp. And they said, he asked him the second time, Simon, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. They said, feed my sheep. He asked him the third time, Simon, Simon, do you love me more than this? He said, Lord, you know. And Simon, Simon Peter was even grieved. That, Why are you asking me? Why you should know? He said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. My sheep is the church. You love God. Some people, you might be listening to me. You have been a major problem causer in every church you have been in. And you jump churches like you are jumping shops from one church. You change churches like shoes. <laughs> you are a church tourist <laughs> or church butterfly from nectar to nectar. And you can't settle. Well. Everywhere you go, you have problem with that church. Oh, they are not nice. They are like this. The people are, they are very annoying. They are very... You can't... St- when you hear someone who says that, I can't stand Christian, it's no clearer sign than somebody possessed by the devil. <laughs> Satan can't stand Christians. Christians are object of hate. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 18, that was 16, 15, by part of 15, 17, 18. He said, they hated me, they will hate you. The world will never come to a place where they, oh, oh, oh we love the Christians. No, they, Christians will always be hated by the world because not it's just the world. Satan hates the church. And so Satan will move the hearts of those who don't know Christ to hate the church. So anyone who says, I don't like church people, I don't like, I like the Christ, the God, me, I love God, is the people I can't stand. Actually, it's a sign you don't love God because in 1 John chapter 1, chapter 4, verse 7, it says that God is love. It says that um, God, let me read it. 1 John 4, 7, behold, let us love one another for God is love and everyone that loves is born of God. You see the word born. I, I want you to take it. God, if you have been actually born, born again, everyone that loves is born of God. The sign that you are really born again, you love. 
everyone that loves is born of God. Look at verse 20 and 21. If any man says, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he he does he, he, he that loves not his brother whom he sees. How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that we should love God, which uh, uh, that sorry, that he who loves God loves his brother also. The word also underlined, circled in red, capital letters, exclamation mark, also. He who loves God loves his brother also. And so when you love Jesus, it plays out in you love to see his glory. You still love to see him glorified. Two, you lo- also love the brethren in in, uh, in John, first I've read the first. So John chapter thirteen verse, John thirteen thirty five. Look at this. John thirteen thirty five says that. But this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. If you have love one for another, all men will know you are my disciples. Hmm, that's interesting. Praise God. Hmm. Wow. By this. Look, look at verse 34. A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know you are my disciples. How do they know you are really a born-again Christian? By having love one for another. Love one for another. Ephesians chapter, I read it earlier, I read it earlier on. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, it says, since we heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the brethren, your love, you, you, can't, you can't divorce them. Faith for Jesus, faith in Jesus plays out in love for the believers. Faith in Jesus plays out in love for the believers. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the believers, it always works hand in hand. You can't say you have faith in God, but you can't stand the other believers. And the Colossians 1.4 says the same thing. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the believers. Faith and love for the believers. So it's so important to appreciate and understand that our love matters. First John, I left First John. Let me go back to First John because there's a lot in First John. First John chapter 2, First John chapter 2 verse 9. See how he puts it. It says that he that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. <laughs> this is not an interesting text. This, these things are in the Bible. We have left all of them and we are chasing, I receive, I receive, I receive. There's nothing wrong to receive because it's part of our blessing. All right? But there are other major important things that undergird, even that qualify us for the blessing. That's why you are fasting and praying and praying, knocking and knocking and knocking and nothing is happening because the fundamental things have been left unattended. Love for one another. Love for one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. And if you love the love for one another, this is how it, it, it is. The, uh, the extent of the love is loving one another. Okay, so if you love God, the extent of you can go with the love is loving one another. And the example of the love, our example is Christ, the way he loved us. In 1 John 3, 16, it says the way God loved, Christ loved that gave himself for us, we should also love others. 1 John 3, 16, not John 3, 16. This is 1 John 3, 16. Ephesians 5, 2 says that walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling server. So walk in Christ. Christ is our example of love. Not anybody. Not people's hatred. All right? Not people's hatred. So you cannot be a genuine Christian and and be, a, be an 
active participator in racism. It doesn't go together. A genuine Christian and you are so racist. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Because as soon when Christ died, one of the things he dealt with is to remove enmity amongst men. Let me tell you something. Human segregation, human discrimination, human divisions, it's all, so long as we are alive, it's always been with human beings. It's only the church. God, the Bible said that Christ take, took away the enmity between us, the enmity thereof in Ephesians chapter uh, by nearly by the cross, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. He said, He removed the middle wall of partition and made one out of two, make one new man. So we are all one in Christ. In Christ, we are all one. You can't say you are a Christian and yet you hate this type of people or you don't like this type or I can't, they are not my type. No, it's not Christianity. As for you, you you have come to a church and all your friends are only people, you, you only make friends with people who have money. Only people who have a certain status and look like, please, that is not good. We love all men. In fact, Hebrews chapter um um, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1 he said let brotherly love continue <laughs> let brotherly love continue then he goes on to say I think in Romans chapter 12 oh no man anything except to love don't be owing things what you owe is love oh no man nothing except love right so let brotherly love continue in, I think there's a scripture in 1 Thessalonians which I would like to read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse, verse 12 First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, it says that, And the Lord make you increase and abound in love one to another, and towards all men, even as, as we do towards you. Did you see that? Chapter 4, verse 9. First Thessalonians 4, 9. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you. For you yourself, you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. This thing is internal. It starts from inside. You don't need a whole message to tell you you have to love. When you are a Christian, the thing is inside. He who loves, First John 5, uh, 1 again. He who uh, loves, he who be begot, loves also him whom he is begotten. If you love the one who gave birth to you, if you are born of God, you will love the ones that are also that, that are also born of God. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It says that above all things, have fervent charity amongst yourself, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. You can't stand this person because you are if you pray to love, eh, it will cover a lot of sins. Charity, love will cover a lot of a multitude, not few not only one multitude of sins will be covered by love so we have to operate in love and as i said so your love for jesus christ always will play out in you loving to see him have the glory number two loving the uh, one another or loving the uh, uh, others and then number three your your loyal commitment to him to the end you love him and committed to him to the end what are the marks what shows that you are to reach? Number one, you love God. Number two, hatred for sin. Number one, love for Christ. Two, is hatred for sin. First John chapter three, verse nine. Whoever is born of God, whoever is, watch this, whoever is born, you are born again. You are, you, this thing has happened inside you. Watch what happens. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin. For the seed, sorry, for his God, that God's seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. 
you cannot feel comfortable about sin. You stay in sin. No, no, no. Because when you are born of God, you feel uncomfortable about sin. How when you repent, you actually develop a distaste for sin. You don't find sin entertaining. You don't find sin amusing. So when you are, you are born, the Bible said, he who is born of God does not commit sin. In other words, you don't have a habitual practice of doing the same thing and you don't stop, which is different from maybe you fall if you fall into temptation and you, go, you hate it, you get up and move on, repent and go move on. All right. So he who is born of God does not live, abide. That's there. It's there. He who is born of God does not commit sin. Praise God. And then I, I want you to see 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. Look at this. First, okay, let's go. Okay, let's. I've heard it already. First John five eighteen. We know that whoever whoever is born of God, God sinneth not. You don't toy with sin. First John chapter two verse twenty nine. If we know that he is righteous, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that is that does righteousness is born of him. The one who is practicing righteousness and that does righteousness. One other translation is that everyone who practices righteousness is born of you. You don't practice sin. Sin is not your thing. It's not your thing that you just get up and live comfortably sinning and hang around sin, sinful environment. No, because you love God. You, 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 because you are born of God, you practice righteousness. It's a sign that you are born of God. It's a sign. You don't sin. It's a sign that you are born of God. If you have come to church, come to altar call, I give my life to Christ and cried and went back and sinned normal and have been continuing living the way you have been living, doing the things you have been doing all this while and no conviction. Aye, you were not born again. You are actually not born again and you may have the big shock of your life when Jesus appears. He will say to you, away from me, I never knew you. True sign that a person is is a true Christian, marks of a true Christian. How do you know you're a true Christian? Number one, love for Christ. Number two, hatred for sin. Number three, faith in the revelation of God in Scripture. When everything, your, your, your faith is built, as I quoted earlier on, um, John chapter 20, verse 30 said, These things are written that you might believe that believe in Christ, that is the Son of God. Your faith is in whatever scripture has written. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. Faith in, in, in the revelation. The revelation of scripture is about Christ. You believe it, you are born of God. Whoever believes, and when we talk about believe, I'm talking about act, active faith. You believe whatever God has said, the revelation of God in his word. Because it's not just reading the Bible, it's the Bible says so, that's it. But you understand there's a revelation of God in his word, and you're, you have faith in it. It's a sign of being born again. Remember Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 4, when I heard of your faith and love so faith always so your love for for christ your uh, your hatred for sin so when you when you are born of god genuinely born of god you love christ you will hate sin and you will have faith in the revelation of god's word you will have faith and then finally when you love god oh sorry when you are born of god when you are a genuine christian you will love his word. In John chapter 8, verse 47. This, this is an interesting text. I like it. Very interesting. John 8, 47. John 8, 47 um, says that he that is 
of God hears God's word. Ye therefore hear not, hear them not, because ye are not of God. If you are God, you hear God's word. You love God's word. John chapter five, verse thirty-eight. John chapter five, verse thirty-eight. And uh, ye have ye have not in His word abiding in you, for for whom He has sent, you want to. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, he, for him, for whom he has sent him, ye believe not. You don't have his word in you. If you are really a believer, there's the word of God works in you. Bible says that we are born in First Peter chapter three, chapter one. I'm sorry, verse twenty-three. Being born again, not being being born again, not of corruptible seed, but the incorruptible, which is the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So the word of God is inside you. Remember First John chapter three, verse nine. He says that he who is born of God cannot sin, does not sin. Why? Because his seed, God's seed abides. It's the word that gave birth to you. It stays in you. And when it stays in you, anyone who is born again loves, what do you love about God's word? You love to hear, to read the word. You love to hear and to understand the word of God. You love to, to obey the word of God. You love to share the word of God. You love to read the word of God. You love to hear the word of God. You love to understand the word of God. You love, you love to obey the word of God. You love to share the word of God. You love to read. You love to hear. You love to understand. You love to obey. You love to share the word of God. When you are genuinely born again, there is this internal affinity within you for God's word. But Jesus said in um, John chapter 14, verse 23, that if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And then 1 John 5, 3, 1 John 5, 3 says that if you, um, this is love, that we obey his commandments. But I want to be ending on this love bit. To show in some, I like to read from some. In fact, in fact, bless some one verse one. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the sinners, nor walk in, in no, that does not walk in the counsel of God, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the his delight. Verse two, you see that his delight, his delight, God delight. There used to be a drink called sunny delight, but this one is Christ delight, God delight. You, his delight. Or word delight. If you if you are a genuine Christian, there is always a word delight. You will have this word delight factor about you. When the word of God is coming, it gets to you. It gets to you. He said his delight is in the law of the Lord. In Psalm one one nine verse sixteen. It talks about it talks about the delight in God's word. When you love God, Psalm one one nine verse sixteen. Psalm one one I I quoted this scripture some time ago. Psalm one one nine verse fifteen. Psalm one one nine verse twenty four. Psalm one one nine verse thirty five. Psalm one one nine verse forty seven. Psalm one one nine verse forty eight. Psalm one one nine verse seventy two. Psalm one one nine verse ninety two. Psalm one one nine verse ninety seven. Psalm one one nine verse verse one one one. Psalm one one nine verse one one three. Psalm one one nine verse one two seven. Psalm one one nine verse Verse 159, Psalm 119, verse 167, Psalm 119, verse 174. All these talks about the way I love that way. Let me just show you some. In Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 24, it says that um, thy testimonies are my delight and my counselor. I delight in the word of God. Verse 35, he said, Make me to make me go in the path of the com- of thy commandment. For therein I do I delight in your word. I delight in your commandment. Hallelujah. Verse 47. I and I will delight myself in your commandment. Verse 48, which I have loved. He's talking about your commandments. Um, 
lift up unto thy command. I, I will also I will lift up unto the commandment, thy commandment which I which I have loved. I love your commandments. Verse seventy-two. It says that the law of the, of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. I lack more than shoes. The blessings, the material things. Your word, the law of your your word is better to me, sweeter to me. It's verse verse ninety-two. Verse ninety-two says that unless thy law had been my delight, I love I love it. Unless thy law had been my delight, I should I should then have perished in my affliction. When the word of God is your delight, you can't go down easily in life. Put that shakataya. Hallelujah. <laughs> the word, the word. Verse 90, verse 97 says, Oh, how. <laughs> I think this should be one of your, your. Put it on your fridge. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all day. It's on my mind. I love this. It's like a special love letter from a loved one. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my medicine my mind all day. I love it. I love it. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all day long. Verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Verse 111. Thy testimony have I taken as an inheritance, uh, uh, so as an heritage forever, for they are, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Verse one one three said, "I hate vain thoughts, but thy thy law do I love." Verse one two seven. Therefore I have I, I I therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Gold means material possession. So I love your word. I love your word above that one. And in Psalm 119 verse 159, it says that, Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Verse 167, it says, My my soul has kept thy testimony, I, and I... And I love them exceedingly. I've kept my soul has kept your testimony, and I love them exceedingly. I love your law. And then finally, Psalm 119, verse 174. It says that I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. I love your law. How do you know you are a true Christian? So that when Jesus comes, he will not say to you, I never knew you. How do you know? You're a Christian. The sign of a true Christian is when God has worked something inside you and you are genuinely born again. Number one, you love Christ. Number two, you hate sin. Number so your love for Christ, your hatred for sin. Number three, your faith in the revelations of God through the scripture. And then number four, the, your love for the word of God. Your love for the word of God. I want to end on this, that these I will stop with these, just these four will be okay. These four are a serious sign. When it's in your life or you see it in others, it's a sign. If all the four, if one is missing, it's a concern. All the four is a sign that brother is really a Christian. Sister is really a Christian. I pray that God will help us all to remain faithful to him and commit our, our loyalty, keep our loyalty to him to the end. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2, I think verse 11 or so, he says that you have been faithful unto death, Antipas, being faithful even unto death. And the Bible says, they that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. I call somebody back to your first love, your first love. Hatred for sin is necessary. Hate that sin. Come to Christ. 
channel all your affections to God, to Christ and his word. Put your faith in him and hate that sin. And your life will be flowing with ceaseless praise to God in Jesus' name. I love you so much. Thank you so much for giving me the privilege. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.